Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound Radio Show, your weekly look into the white, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. I'm Robert Winfrey. I am your host. And tonight, with WrestleMania going on in the background, Jeff Harris and I are here to take you through all that craziness from the world of MMA. Rather sedate week, actually, all things considered. So, there's that. Uh, On the cards, on the book this evening, we have a preview for UFC 236. Double interim title event. Uh, who, whichever UFC official is so gung ho about interim titles has, I imagine, like had to change their pants after the announcement of this card because they finally got it. Uh, again, not a lot of news this week. Uh, the biggest thing I think was Connor and Khabib decided to uh, kick things off again on Twitter. So we might touch a little bit on that, and then some fights. There's some fights being rumored. There's a few that got signed and made official. We had at least one major one fall out and have to be rescheduled. So we'll go into all of that. That is kind of the usual format here. Uh, Back with me, we have Jeff Harris again. Jeff, how you doing? Hey, Robert. Thank you for having me back on. Sorry I was out last week, but it has been a stressful, nonstop week uh, uh, from WonderCon. Then we go right into WrestleMania week. And WrestleMania weekend coverage, so it's just been nonstop. But uh, thank you to all of our readers, our listeners, and uh, yeah, we're really uh, stepping it up these days. And uh, I'm liking what we're doing with our podcast. I'm very excited. Yeah, I have hope Rus- for the future. Hope yeah, WrestleMania future. weekend, it hits all of us. Uh, it even hit me. Yeah, I, yeah. On Friday, I wound up back covering Impact Wrestling as Larry was covering the NXT Takeover special. Uh, good on that. I've been, you know, I've been seeing you've been doing that, but I mean, we're, we're going, we're doing more multimedia material as well. We're, so we're not just news. We got podcasting now. We've got interviews, we've got videos. So we're doing a lot more these days. So check us out on, on iTunes and YouTube for Formula One Mania. Available wherever you find your podcasts. By the way, I'm very excited. Side note, tangent. World Market sells Clearly Canadian. Do you remember Clearly Canadian, Robert? I do not. Okay. The greatest beverage of the 90s is sold at World Market. So once we're done here, I'm going to rush over to World Market and get some Clearly Canadian. And this is not a paid sponsorship, by the way. I just really have been jonesing for some Clearly Canadian for like 20 years. I refuse to believe anything is better than Clear Pepsi. (laughs) So Clear Pepsi, that's like your... No, no, no. That's just a joke about crappy drinks from the 90s. This is not a crappy drink from the 90s, so I will, okay, okay. I gimmick, will fight you. Gi- gimmick drinks from the 90s. Gimmick, I, I guess you could call it a gimmick drink from the 90s, but it is amazing. So, no, my, clearly my Canadian, so- you my, will be mine. My soda hierarchy goes Cherry Coke, Dr. Pepper, pretty much everything else. I, I, I don't mind Cherry Coke either, but I prefer Coke of the, the Mexican variety because it Fair. tastes better. That's fair. All right. UFC 236 comes our way on next Saturday. That would be April 12th, 13th. We got two two title cards. Two Two title fights. Two Uh, uh, interim interim title fights. For whatever value you wish to ascribe. Uh, Okay, for the record, for those of you who might be curious, uh, 
this will be the first UFC pay-per-view event to be sold exclusively via ESPN+. Plus. Uh, I think there is an exception for, like, establishments. So stuff like Buffalo Wild Wings or other places like that. Whatever your local... They might... I, I guess they might have a separate deal. Yeah, I, I think establishments have a separate deal as far right. as that goes. But for private consumption, if you're not a subscriber to ESPN+, Plus, you will not be able to see this pay-per-view. Uh, assuming, again, assuming you're not willing to resort to either travel to a venue that is hosting it or and if you do have various means you have to pay you still have to pay 60 dollars yes there it is still (laughs) a a bargain what a bargain you get five dollars off all right um so 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 the pay-per-view price was lower but you're already paying what 4.99 a month for espn plus so at the moment assuming what are you eh, again I i mean i think I think this announcement would have gotten a lot more positive feedback if they had a serious drop to the pay-per-view price, don't you think? If they, if they were able well, I mean, to figure that out. I, anything that costs less is going to get a better response from the general populace. That's like, I'm not true. saying they needed to go like, like um, what was the movie pass deal? I don't the, know. Was it movie pass? Basically, like, what, $5 a month and you get unlimited movies a day? You can get <laughs> something like that. I don't know. I'm movie or a movie or a movie a day. Something it like that. Probably wasn't a sustainable model. It wasn't. <laughs> I'm sure if they had a more, I'm sure they could have figured out a more sustainable model. Maybe not 60 bucks, but that's just one man's opinion. So honestly, I would have been fine if they had stripped Robert Whitaker of the middleweight title. Cause, and look, you know, I'm a big fan of Robert Whitaker. But he kind of has a he kind of has a health problem that keeps him from fighting and defending his title. He has at this point a history of inopportune injuries and illnesses. That's Look, pretty undeniable. I love Cain Velasquez. Cain Velasquez had that problem during his championship run as well. Yeah, it's undeniable. It's, it, it's, it's undeniable. A thing. And uh, I said. When Kane was out for almost two years, I said he should have been stripped of the belt. He should, under those circumstances, he should have. In this instance, I think just all things considered, I was okay with them, you know, trying to line up one more title defense for Whitaker. But I think one more is the only other chance he gets as far as this goes. All right. Well, but anyway, uh, all right. You, I'm, so you would definitely agree if if it happens one more time, he should probably be stripped. If he is the party at fault for the next one, yes. Now. As bad as the glut of interim title fights have been in the last two years, I can't really fault the UFC in the case of Gastelum versus Adesanya. Well, let's start with the main event. Uh, right, because but, our main event is going to be for the interim lightweight title. And, and it's an outstanding fight. This is a good fight. We have current featherweight champion and certainly what the second at a minimum. And I think there's a very compelling argument that he is the best featherweight ever at a bare minimum the second best featherweight ever max holloway an all-time great stepping up to lightweight to fight dustin poirier for the interim lightweight title this this, is so this isn't max's featherweight this isn't his lightweight debut he has fought at light he hasn't fought at lightweight since i want to say 2010 12 uh his featherweight debut his oh, okay. featherweight debut uh, professionally 
was his debut in the UFC. He did, okay, he fought... Prior to entering the UFC, he fought at lightweight. Uh, But since, again, like, he debuted in the UFC in 2012 against Poirier, and he's been at featherweight ever since. Okay, so it's been, but still, that's almost seven years? Yeah. Over six years, so... Uh, Poirier, and he has fought Poirier before, so this is a rematch, right? Yes. Uh, again, Max Holloway stepped in on relatively short notice to fight Dustin Poirier at UFC 143. Uh, Poirier... won that fight by submission. Uh, mounted triangle armbar, if memory serves. And I think Poirier is highly underrated, and I think he's been underrated throughout his whole UFC, WEC career. Uh, certainly since moving to the UFC, I think he's been underappreciated. Uh, and in no small part, some of that, and let me be clear, some of that's on him, given that he has stumbled at a couple of key junctures in his career. But he was, you would agree, he was consistently a top five, if not top ten featherweight, when he was at featherweight. Uh, top ten, yeah, yeah, consistently. He might have dipped out of that at one point, but by and large, yeah, he was. I think he was close to top five when he fought Connor. At that time, he was probably close. And then he'd beaten because he had beaten Coke, Brandau, and I mean, not huge wins, but I mean, the featherweight division wasn't huge at the Coke time. Was, either. Coke was a considered a con, he was almost a contender at the time. Yeah, Eric Coke was uh, kind of an up and comer. I mean, he was. I think he was I think Coke was favored in that fight again as the up and comer and uh I mean Poirier starched well starched. Poirier has upset and slowed down the rise of a few people that the UFC was kind of hoping to get into the title and picture. His, uh and Josh- his only loss his only loss at lightweight was to Michael Johnson. And I mean look, when you've had that many fights at lightweight and the US it, lightweight is just so competitive you have to expect an upset like that now and again. Those, yeah. those upsets are very possible. Yeah, they happen. And, I mean, if you watch that fight, it's a lot of Michael Johnson having a really good night and Dustin Poirier having a bad night even before the knockout. Right. So uh, he's, let's see, his record at light since moving down to lightweight is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 8, really one, eight 1, and 1 no contest. For the UFC yeah. lightweight division, to me, that's a spectacular record. When you consider... Knocked out Eddie Alvarez, former champion. Knocked out Justin Gagey, former champion. Submitted, uh, excuse me, not 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 a former champion, but a, a top contender. Submitted former champion Anthony Pettis. Like that's an exceptional right. Like like that's a like he is he has earned to be in this conversation for a t- in the title mix. Don't you agree? Oh yeah. Look, if if the if the lightweight division operated normally. He would have fought for the real title already, right? I mean, he's he's had that kind of run. And Quite frankly, a- I'm I'm in favor of stripping Khabib as well. So let me just put that out there and making this for the real title. I don't know that. I don't think that would sit. I I have a very specific objection to that, but it's considering considering that Tony Ferguson is going through personal issues right now that he's getting taken care of I think this should be for the genuine title and let's just remove the interim garbage I just wouldn't necessarily be in favor of Holloway 
coming up and fighting for the vacant lightweight title in his first fight in the weight class? Um, I'm picking Holloway here. Yeah, ditto. He lost their first fight. Their first, again, their first fight was seven years ago. They're both radically different fighters from then. There's only well, there's not a lot of, are, and both of them have gotten better. Yeah, I, 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 they're both much. They're both better. I think Holloway has improved more than Poirier in no small part because Holloway. But Holloway is a master of dictating the pace, imposing as well. Excellent in the clinch. Um, excellent takedown and grappling defense. He kind of controls where the fight goes against good grapplers, against good stand-up opponents. Um, look what he—I mean, look what he did. To, granted, that fight was Anthony Pettis didn't make weight for that fight, but I mean, he messed up Anthony Pettis bad. Oh yeah, just bad. Look what he—I mean, have you ever seen Jose Aldo just get dominated standing up? Look, the McGregor fight was was like twelve seconds, and it was one punch. But have you ever seen anyone just bully Jose Aldo like that and yeah. just take him not, out of his element? Not before and not since. It was a, those, those two fights back to back from Holloway. Those Aldo fights are unbelievable performances on his behalf. Like they, in no small part, because they're also different. It's I mean not radically different, but if you look at the details of what yeah. Holloway does in both of them, they are different enough to be. I mean again, it's somewhat it's. It's an incredible thing to beat Jose Aldo to begin with. Right. To beat him twice utilizing different strategies in back-to-back fights is almost mind-blowing. Now, those, me, are, those are sublime performances. To me, the intangible factor here is Max Holloway moving up in weight, his first fight at lightweight in many years. Um, Poirier's had more fights and more experience at lightweight. And sometimes fighters, when they move up in weight, sometimes they don't react well. That's all. I mean, it, it's not absolute, but we have seen it happen before, Robert. Like it's happened, I think, with Gaston and Anthony Johnson. Yeah, I mean, guys moving up in weight can be very successful. It's, uh, an, adjust, it's an adjust. It's an adjustment. But I'm I'm leaning towards Holloway here. Um. And it's just based on their backgrounds and their resumes since their first fight. I feel like Holloway's improvement has been massively higher. I mean, he became, he went through, I think, arguably a tougher gauntlet than Poirier. Featherweight was also very competitive. And Holloway surpassed every challenge put in front of him. Um, and most of them in borderline, either, not just spectacular, but like right. lopsided. Right. I mean, you know, I and I think that's an important distinction just because, you know, Sir, uh, Anthony Pettis knocking out Stephen Thompson, spectacular knockout, but he kind of got his he kind of got busted up for significant portions of that fight. I think you Max mis- Holloway not just spectacular, but lopsided. He just now consistently showed himself to be a level above his opposition. Now, sometimes we have not seen eye to eye when you anoint fighters as the greatest ever. I would not I I'm I find myself hard be I'm sorry. I sound like Dave Meltzer here. I find it hard to argue with your statement that Max Holloway is the greatest featherweight ever. Yeah, he's either the greatest or again at a bare minimum the second. Like he is that good. One of, if not he's in that he's in that conversation, I would agree. Yeah, it's his run 
to get to the title alone was uh, it bordered on the absurd. I mean, he should have should have fought for the belt. Here's my thing: like, I think Jose Aldo is exceptional, (laughs) exceptional, exceptional. But I don't think he even had the gauntlet that Max Holloway did to get just to get to the title. I mean, they were in different. The divisions were in different uh, points at the time. Yeah, and I think Max Holloway had a more competitive, more stacked division that he had to go through. Max had a harder, had a better run up to his title opportunity. I think Aldo had a better reign. Oh well, yeah, of course. But I mean, look, he's only had two title defenses. Yeah, and again, yeah. I'm not, and I'm not at all saying that Max Holloway can't surpass him. And in fact, if he ever fights at featherweight again, I think he will. But look, I mean, Ortega. Look at all the hype Ortega was getting. People yeah. were ready to. People were. I'm not saying Ortega was overhyped because he definitely deserved all the excitement he received going into that fight. But people were overlooking Holloway in that fight. I think there were a lot of people who did. There were some people who did. I mean, for some reason, Ortega was the betting favorite, which shocked me. I mean, he was undefeated. He was undefeated. Again, I like, I like knockout, knocked out Edgar, but I mean, Holloway was pretty spectacular too. So yeah, again, I, I like Ortega. There's a lot about his game that I do definitely enjoy, Right. but the notion that he was the betting favorite over Max Holloway was, uh, I mean, if I were a gambling man, I would have taken that all day, every day. I think the striking is the main reason I'm picking Holloway. Poirier, Poirier's biggest flaw used to be his striking. I think. He has improved his overall striking and I think striking defense. I mean, because look, he, Eddie Alvarez is a very good boxer. Justin Gagey is a very dangerous striker. He knocked both those guys out. Anthony Pettis, uh, another striker, submitted him. And, and Pettis has a very underrated ground game, guard game too, I think. He beat all those guys, but I think Poirier is probably the better grappler. But no in one's terms of, in terms of pure grappling, yes. No one's given no one's given Max Holloway trouble with grappling and takedowns since Conor McGregor, and that fight was years ago, when he was a twenty year old kid, um, and he's only gotten better since then. He became a champion. I think this will be a tough fight, but I gotta I gotta lean toward Holloway. My only concern with Holloway is sometimes he will leave his head out. Now, part of that is strategy. But against a guy like like Poirier, that can be very dangerous. So, look, it, it only takes one hit, Robert. So that's why I could see Poirier coming out with a win, but I'm still picking Holloway. I got Holloway for a couple of reasons. Um, one is that while Poirier is a very well-rounded fighter, I think the times you've seen him struggle, even in fights he's won, are when he doesn't have a takedown in his back pocket. Now, again, he doesn't always need to use them and they're not always the you know, defining feature of the fight. I mean, the Gagey fight, for example, was contested almost entirely on the feet. He took Gagey down, I think once or twice just to make Gagey work more so than to really engage in prolonged grappling exchanges. Uh, Eddie Alvarez kind of the same way. If he if he doesn't really have that as just something he can do if he needs to, that's when he kind of again he struggles a little bit there. And I mean his takedowns are very good, so it's not like that's a it's not like that's a very common occurrence. But 
it has been a something that he's had to deal with in the past. The other thing that I think troubles me about Poirier as far as, and this is just a habit that he might be dealing with. It's something he might have designed deliberately around a couple of fights rather than just a perpetual thing that he's picked up. But he does a lot of kind of volume work while trying to move his feet. I mean, uh, both the Alvarez fights and I think the Gagey fight are good examples of him. He moves in, he kind of engages, and then as he's engaging, he tries to he keeps mobile, which is on the one hand a very good thing. On the other hand, it's reliant in some respects on his opponent being flat-footed. And I mean, Gagey, if you look at most of the punching exchanges, Poirier would rattle off long combinations, Gagey would cover up, Poirier would find angles to avoid the chopping counters, and then Gagey would just kick him in the leg out of almost frustration as Poirier was circling away. And I mean, that had a lot of success. Uh, Gagey actually tore part of Poirier's quad with his leg kicks in that fight. Max Holloway, not as devastating a leg kicker as Gagey, but it is something he can do. Mostly, I think, the fact that Max Holloway is an incredibly mobile fighter himself is, a, is one of the things that I believe will give Poirier some problems. His movement is incredible. It really is. I uh, think it was a big factor in the Aldo fights. Or am I? Do you think I have that right? Yeah, his ability to both constantly circle, and I think the best way I heard this described was Jose Aldo does spectacular things, and he—I mean, he really does. But he doesn't do them for say four and a half minutes out of a five-minute fight, out of a five-minute round. A big part of what Max Holloway did was just make Jose Aldo do Jose Aldo-style things at a very consistent pace. And part of that was his movement. He would kind of circle, he would make Aldo move, he'd get Aldo to commit his weight, then he'd angle and tag him, and I mean, again, those are beautiful fights. I think we're going to see highly mobile stuff out of both men, but I think Holloway is both better at adjusting as fights go on than Poirier is, and he's also better about finding angles against mobile opposition. Whereas I think a lot of Poirier's angle finding comes against static opposition. Now here's my question to you. Does not cutting as much weight, will that help him have more energy and less fatigue going into this fight? I mean, logically, yes, but if it's done, there's the caveat, of course, that it has to be done properly. I mean, you can just put on more weight and get fat, and that doesn't going to help you. That isn't going to help right. your overall performances. But if you put it on intelligently, I mean, and in and I mean, Hall, cutting to one forty-five while Holloway does it consistently—that's a non-trivial cut. Well, so, well, all we were hearing was that he was maybe struggling with his weight cuts recently, and I think a lot of that got maybe a, blown out of proportion. I don't know. Blown out of proportion, maybe not, but exacerbated by the circumstances of the he was because he was supposed to fight Habib after Tony fell out of their fight. Right, and that was that was a last minute change in itself. Yeah, there's two. Yeah, and I think a lot of people read more into that than was appropriate, simply because a he was coming off of I believe a foot injury, which can inhibit some of what you do cardio from a cardio standpoint, from a running standpoint, which is a part of how you help keep your weight down. Two, it was a week's notice, and while Max Holloway has never had a problem making featherweight, he's always done it, and he's never, I mean, he, 
Well, he looks a little drawn. He looks like a guy cutting weight. He doesn't look like a guy dying to make weight. I mean, he so, looked okay against Ortega. I mean, if you look, so. if you look at all of his weigh-in photos, like you, he, and he's pretty, he's pretty consistent in how he looks. Again, it's a cut, but it's not. I mean, he never looks as bad as say Kevin Lee does, making one forty, one fifty-five. Excuse me. There are some guys who you watch them, you know, cut and make weight on the scale, and you just kind of wonder how they do it. Holloway was never that guy for me. He was always, it, again, it was a significant weight cut, but it wasn't the kind that I looked at and went, you know, I'm just, I'm, I wasn't counting time until he missed weight kind of thing. Um, and I mean, Poirier is another guy who put on the weight appropriately, even he's less shredded at 155. Um, I mean, especially once he rehydrates around the middle, but he's put on the weight appropriately. It's actually helped his punching power. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this fight. I think, and we have two highly active fighters. We have two guys primarily based around the striking arts. You have Mac. I mean, again, Max Holloway is one of the most spectacular fighters. If you look at the technique, if you look at the decision-making, if you look at his adaptability in real time, uh, this has been said by other people who know more than I do. And I agree with them in this instance, I don't think there's a better fighter in the sport who makes reads and adjustments to his opposition in real time than Max Holloway does. I think if anything, that's again, that's another thing that plays in his favor because Dustin Poirier doesn't really adapt round to round. Uh, he, he is a very well-schooled fighter. He's a very tough fighter. He comes in with a game plan, but if again, I mean, if you look at the Gagey fights or even the Alvarez fights, He's uh, not quite as technical. He's more... He's, he's, he's more prone to brawling. Yes, I agree. Um, again, he also doesn't really... Again, and some of, this is, some of this might just be in his prep, in the sense that he believes he is well-prepared for something, and so he leans on that when he gets in the cage rather than changing. Again, the, if you look at the Gagey fight, his, again, his leg got torn to pieces. And he did switch stances at one point, but largely his attempt to his game plan was, I'm going to throw a straight left to counter that leg kick. And eventually Gage is going to, I'm going to be able to catch him clean with it. And he was, but the fact that there's other defensive things that he wasn't able to really do. And maybe this is because he's fighting a maniac like Gagey, but there's adjustments that he didn't really try to make. And Max Holloway, again, is all about adjusting to whatever you're doing and then exploiting whatever holes he finds and then just continuing to exploit them relentlessly over a period of time until you fall apart. Needless to say, I cannot wait for this fight. This, this is a great fight. I really do hope it holds together. Uh, your co-main event is... I was torn on this when they announced it. I've kind of come around to it. Uh, we have Israel Adesanya versus Kelvin Gastelum for the interim middleweight title. Uh, Gastelum was supposed to fight Robert Whitaker back at UFC 234. 234. Uh, Whitaker, of course, pulled out of that fight a few hours before the event started with some pretty serious uh, health issues. Again, he had a hernia and a partially collapsed bowel and just some really, again, some really unpleasant stuff. Uh, so now we have this fight. Gastelum on a two-fight winning streak. Overall, he knocked out Michael Bisbing. He defeated Jacare via split decision. 
I think I scored that fight for Gastelum Live. Uh, by contrast, we have Israel Adesanya, who is undefeated, 16-0. and 0. Uh, 5-0 and in the UFC, 6-0? 5. 5-0 and 0 in the UFC, coming off of that win over Anderson Silva. I, I came around on this fight the more I thought about it. This is a pretty solid fight. Uh, you have, in many respects, just a, a very classic and uh, clash here in the sense that Kelvin Gastelum is not a terribly... Dy- Dynamic's not the right word. He's not a diverse opponent. Kelvin Gastelum does about three things. And he does them exceptionally well. The vast majority of what Kelvin Gastelum does is pressure forward and throw one-two combinations. And he throws them well. These are not sloppy punches. He has drilled that combination. And it is... I mean, it is the fundamental combination in all of striking sports, assuming you're allowed to punch. And he has become exceptional in this in that field he also again, is a very good wrestler uh he's a fairly good boxer too i think yeah again it's it's limited largely in that he has a very narrow focus around again like three things it's a lot of one twos a little bit of the lead hand hook so that's the three uh it's again it's limited but he does a very good job of refining those tools to their maximum efficiency it is very standard but it is executed exceptionally well by contrast we have israel adesanya who goes for the spectacular as opposed to the now that let me be very clear this does not mean israel adesanya is not a well-schooled fighter he is doesn't mean he doesn't know the fundamentals he absolutely does you do not achieve his level of success with the unorthodox, if you if you don't know what you're doing at a base level, but anytime I I always find these clashes in particular interesting because again you are getting the fundamental foundations executed at a very high level against someone who is deliberately breaking the rules because he knows how and when to break them. And that clash always interests me because I'm never sure who's going to come out on top of that. Uh, I am sure, Robert. Uh, yeah, you're you're Gastelum for this one, right? I'm all the way Gastelum for this fight. I think he has problems that Adesanya has never faced before. We've never seen him face, and I don't think he'll be able to deal with him. Gastelum has had his problems throughout his UFC career, but... I think you cannot deny that he is a high-level, exceptional talent. And he has earned a high-level, if not a title shot, a high-level fight like this. Don't you think? No, I was completely okay with him getting the title shot, given how, given the state of various personnel in the division at the time. He's, and I think this is, quite frankly, I think this is the toughest, most dangerous fight of Adesanya's career. Would you at least agree with that? Yes. Um, the closest would be Derek Brunson and Derek Brunson has some pretty obvious defensive liabilities that Kelvin Gastelum does not share. Right. And that's why, I don't know that I, that's just those things right there are why I'm feeling Gastelum for this fight. And I'm picking, I'm just going to go ahead and pick Gastelum to win. Maybe not necessarily by finish, but I think he's winning this fight. Again, I'm torn because... 
Yeah, you know, I understand. Don't get me wrong. I like Adesanya, and I I think what he does is amazing and impressive. I'm just not all the way on the the hype train yet. I'm not, or the bandwagon, whatever you want to call it. I, I'm not really on his bandwagon per se. I just think. Yeah, you are. I'm not on his bandwagon. <laughs> I would no, no. Let me be clear. If he fights Robert Whitaker, I think Whitaker take. I think Whitaker beats both of these okay. guys. Okay, interesting. Uh, I mean, look, Whitaker. I also would have. I would have favored Whitaker against. I think I did pick Whitaker against Gaslam because that I was. I did. <laughs> eh, it's just tough. It's just tough with Whit- Whitaker's health issues. So. Yeah, his, it is. That is a very sad. It's a very unfortunate thing because yeah, I would have picked him over Gaslam. I would have picked him over Adesanya. I would have picked him in rematches with Jacare. I, I think Robert. I think Bobby Knuckles is the best middleweight in the world. I agree. Um, but yeah, Gastelum all the way. I, I'm, I think the big thing that I want to see Gastelum deal with, because you are correct in the sense that Gastelum is probably the best wrestler if he chooses to go that route that Adesanya's faced. He's also, again, Derek Brunson has power, but Derek Brunson is sloppy and wild. A lot of his offensive tendencies leave openings and well i mean don't get me wrong gastelum can be hit as well he's been hit plenty of times he a has a more proven chin than brunson at this point in some respects and b is a bit more again just fundamentally sound in terms of his offense i just thought gastelum was the most well-rounded fighter on his season of ultimate fighter like watching him on the ultimate fighter like he was the fighter I thought was going to win that season when everyone was. And hey, we all, I, I remember this very vividly, actually, when that season was wrapping right. up and they had, when they had announced that we did the roundtable previews for that, for that finale. And I think we all picked Gastelum over Uriah Hall and right. we got reamed for not picking Uriah Hall. Cause everyone was picking Uriah Hall from that. Like everyone was going Everyone was going gaga over Uriah Hall that season. But when I look at when I looked at Gastelum, I see it like a real meat and potatoes kind of fighter. Like who's a total package, has everything. He's just kind of stumbled a lot since the ultimate fighter, but now I feel like he's in that mode where he belongs at the maybe if he doesn't become a champion, I think he's consistently where he is right now at the top of the division. Yeah, he's again. He's a very difficult opponent. Um, again, my big thing that Gastelum's going to have to overcome in this fight is the height and reach disparity. Because, and this isn't just a, another joke about him not being able to make welterweight consistently. Israel Adesanya is a long man. I think Gastelum. He's done well against bigger opponents before, though. He's done well against bigger opponents who don't know how to use that. Right. I mean, if you look at where, I mean. Another bigger opponent who actually used it appropriately, Chris Weidman frustrated him to no end in a, throughout True. a lot of their fight by keep, either by forcing him into onto the mat or by keeping him and, at a distance uh, he didn't want and, to be at. And Neil Magny. Neil Magny had a lot of success against him. Oh, Neil Magny outgrappled him actually, which was kind of crazy. Uh, right. Once they once they got on the feet, Gastelum was more successful there. But Magny was also not really feeling how to use his reach the same way he does now. Uh, by Maggie, contrast, I think overperformed in that fight. That's probably fair. I mean, it was in the midst of his long of what became his very good run. But yeah, 
I, th I think a lot of people were looking at Gastelum in that fight, and Magni exceeded expectations. You know, I'm actually... this. Ah, God. My mind might change between now and the actual fight happening between these two, but as I sit here, I don't know. I got this weird visual in my head of Adesanya just keeping Gastelum at range, getting him to take a bad shot and running into a knee. I think, look, I think that's a solid pick. I don't have a problem with that pick. I think this is a tough fight. I just... I'm going with my gut here, and my gut tells me Gaslam. Yours is feeling out of sun, and I think that's fine. Yeah, I mean, this is a very tough fight for either guy. Uh, again, this is this is not an easy fight for Gaslam on paper. Again, one of these guys can come out and just blow the other one out of the water. That wouldn't that happen. You know, yeah, because I mean, this sport is so unpredictable. Sometimes we never. I mean, I mean. I, I think we maybe should have foreseen, for example, what happened with Woodley Usman, because Woodley does just not show up to fights quite frequently throughout his career. I just didn't think, I did not expect him to be that that flat against Kamaru Usman and just think, not do anything. I, I think what kind of threw me off about that fight when I was looking at how I was predicting it, there was one exchange in the first round that went... Uh, that I think set a lot of the tone, and that was when Woodley kind of jumped for a guillotine on Usman. And it kind of, I think it kind of gassed his arms out from a practical standpoint. From, a, from another standpoint, I think it just indicated where his head was at as far as that, uh, as far as that whole mean, fight was. Look, let's be honest. Fights will sometimes defy expectations. Mm-hmm. Were you ever expecting Rose Nami Yunus to knock out Ioana? Knock her out, no. Like, like knock her out flat in the yeah, first no, round. No, not at all. And, and, and look, Ioana, I think you would also agree, Ioana, one of the greatest ever. Um, and Ro Rose just had her number. Yeah. Uh, and the second fight, and the second fight went a lot differently, and it was it was a lot closer. But I think that, to me, that just speaks to. Fighting can be very unpredictable, and there are just so many variables that are hard to calculate when you analyze a, a fight before it happens. Yeah, and I think the other thing that threw me off about that fight, that I don't know if I just didn't appropriately evaluate it beforehand, but just mm -hmm. Usman's ability to exert, because I mentioned this in the buildup, that you know, Usman's a very control-based fighter. And if he's able to get you in a position where he can consistently control you, you're going to be in trouble because the amount of effort and technique it's going to take you to escape from him under those circumstances is. Oh, by the way, did I call? Did I call that uh, Barboza Gagey finish, or did I call it? Come on, no, give it did. up. And look, I love Barboza, but and he has he has gotten better, but he does not. A guy like Gagey, I, I I figured the forward aggression was going to work for him, and it did. So it did. Well, I in also that think case, it did. It did, and I, I mean, I also kind of think that Barboza. This might sound crazy. I think Barboza got a little bit taken out of his game by the leg kicks of Gagey, because mm -hmm. a lot of and I that's a lot of that's a lot of Barboza's game, you know. Well, I talked about this last week a little bit that just because you have great leg kicks does not mean you have great leg kick defense, and. If you're fighting someone who doesn't really have a good leg kick of their own, then sure, them trading leg kicks with you is kind of stupid. But 
if you're, you know, gagey and you have a great leg kicking game of your own, then utilizing it against someone who's not used to people trading leg kicks with them can throw them off of their game. Okay. I think I mean, we should just go through like quick hits for the rest of the card. Cause yeah, it's, because this is not, it's not notable. The rest of this is uh, it's a two fight card. Pretty much. It is. Um, the next bout, I'm just going to, um, we'll do this rather quickly. The next bout, Eric Anders continues his campaign at light heavyweight against Khalil Roundtree Jr. This fight is here because the UFC hopes someone will fall over quickly. Um, Anders last lost a split decision to Elias Theodoru. There's a lot of athletic ability within Eric Anders, but there's a lot that he needs to kind of hammer out. Um, what does he train out of? Uh, he, he, I, I hate to be one of those guys who always says someone needs a I change of coaching Spartan staff. Fitness. Spartan Fitness is what is okay. But that's his Wikipedia page, so it might be. There, I think I, I'm not going to say he needs to, you know, go to one of the big super camps or anything. But he's I got potential, right? But he's he, sort he of he does. But there's a there's a few things in his game that need to be ironed out, and I wonder if his current coaching staff is working on that. Again, they like, might he be. He should have won those fights with Theodoro and Machida. Well, the Mach- the Machida fight was a judging issue on my not on not. I mean, look. I feel like he could have done more. He could have, if he had done a little bit more, he could have won both of those fights. Don't you agree? Yeah, I would agree Decis- with that. Decisively, he could have won them. Yeah, I agree. Again, there's things that he needs to kind of iron out in his game. And then Khalil Roundtree Jr. is. <sighs> I mean, he's, he's your, you know, he's your 10 minute kill or be killed fight. He, uh, he's coming off of that. He got knocked out by Johnny Walker. Yeah. Yeah, that elbow in the clinch. Getting knocked out by Johnny Walker now, though. But. Um, so, yeah, they're just really kind of hoping this doesn't go long and one of these guys falls over. I think Anders has a better chin than Roundtree. And that's kind of what I'm basing my pick here on. Both guys have power. Both guys lack finesse in a lot of respects. And in some cases, they're both young in their careers. Like, I'm not going to harp on them too much. These aren't 30. These aren't like 20 fight veterans who really should know better. Uh, I think they get into an exchange. I think they both land, but I think Anders' chin holds up, whereas Roundtree's doesn't in this instance. Alan Joban will be fighting Dwight Grant. This had to be somebody else. Was this always this fight? That's a bizarre fight. Um, Okay, it does look that way. Joban last knocked out Ben Saunders. That broke a two-fight losing streak on his part. Uh, he lost to Gunnar Nelson and Nico Price. I don't have a reason to pick against Alan Joban here. Dwight Grant, he's fought in the UFC before, I believe. Bring up his resume here. He's 9-2. and two. He's a contender series guy, I think. Yeah, he was. He's fought twice in the UFC. He lost to Zach Otto. He beat Carlo Pedersoli. Okay, this fight makes a little more sense now. Um, I'm going to go with Joban, but don't sleep on uh, on Grant in this fight because Joban can choke. Uh, at light heavyweight, Ovin St. Preux will fight Nikita Krylov. Krylov returned to the UFC in September of last year and was promptly submitted by Alan Joban. Or excuse me, right. Alan Joban, by Jan Blahovic. Uh, I had a lot of hope for Krylov at one point in time. And 
I don't know. I think that I don't think the ship has sailed necessarily on his potential in the UFC because he's only he's 27, though. And I mean, yeah, light heavyweight, so you can have a longer career, but he's going to have to start performing consistently in the very, very immediate future. And Ovin St. Prue has spent the last 12 years being young and promising. At some point, you're neither of those things anymore. Uh, he is one and two in his last three. He was submitted by Elu Latifi. He should have been knocked out by Dominic Reyes, but the ref called that oddly. Uh, so he just lost a decision. Um, I'm pulling for Krylov, all things considered, but OSP probably wins. All right, then on ESPN, we have Jalen Turner and Matt Frivola. Uh, Turner is one and one in the UFC. His UFC debut was short notice up at welterweight against Vicente Luque. That's a, that's a tall order. Uh, Frivola has yet to win in the UFC. He was knocked out by Marco Reyes and then, uh, went to a draw with Lando Venata. Uh, I got Turner here. Actually. I think Jalen Turner is, he's a big guy for that division. He's long. He's good at putting his combinations together. I, I got Turner. At flyweight, continuing our march to the end of the division, we have Wilson Hayes and Alessandre Pantoja. This is a good fight, actually. Hey, Robert, what's a flyweight? Uh, it would uh, something that is no longer going to exist in the UFC in another twelve months. In 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 the men's division. Yes. <laughs> Women women's division will still exist for now. God. Even though the women's division is just not good. I mean, it can still. I hope it will get. I there. like Valentina. I will not accept this. I will not accept you bad-mathing Valentina. She is a good, I, hold on. She's a great champion, a deserving champion. I like Valentina. Okay. The division. Jessica I is your number one contender. Do I need a greater indictment of it? I like Jessica I, too. No, you don't. No yes, one likes Jessica No <laughs> one likes Jessica I. <laughs> Thank you. Jessica, if you're listening, I'm a fan. D- keep doing what you're doing, honey. Uh... Anyway, I got Pantoja here. I mean, I kind of enjoy Hayes from time to time, but he's limited in his game, and he's he seems to be slowing down a bit, whereas Pantoja is kind of on the up and up still. Oh, I mean, Pantoja's lost once in the UFC, and that was to Dustin Ortiz. Uh, I, I, like, I think Pantoja takes this and then goes like two and three at bantamweight in his cut. At welterweight, Max Griffin will fight Zellum Imadayev. Imadayev? I'm I'm gonna have to hear that guy's name pronounced or at least see where he's from. Oh, he's Russian. So that would be Imadayev. Um Imadayev is I believe this is his debut. He's eight and Uh yeah. Um I mean Max Griffin's solid, but Nah, screw it. I'm going with Imadayev on this one. Uh Griffin is He's lost his last two fights. Uh, his only win was over Mike Perry. Yeah, yeah. I'll go with him and dive. I might be wrong, but such is life. Uh, we have the very specifically geographically located fish, Boston Salmon, taking on Khalid Taha. And yeah, I'm going to make that joke every time this guy fights. It amuses me. Taha is 12-2. and two. Lost his UFC debut, if memory serves. Nadna Romani, yes. Yes. Uh, Salmon is 6-1. and one. I believe also lost his UFC debut. Has fought at least once in the UFC. Um, kind of a toss-up. I'll go with Taha, actually. Then on Fight Pass, 
because the UFC has to provide actual value for that service now. Uh, Curtis Millender fights Bilal Muhammad. That's a pretty solid fight, actually. I, I like Millender, but that's a bit of a sleeper fight. Montel Jackson will fight Andre Sukumtot. Excuse me, Montel Jackson. I may have misspoke there. Uh, Jackson's fought in the UFC 7-1. and one. Lost to Ricky Simone, who's kind of come on lately. Beat Brian Kelleher. Oh, he choked him out with that Darth. That was a really nice choke. Uh, Sukumtot, by contrast, had one of the most embarrassing lapses in fight IQ I've ever seen when he fought Sean O'Malley. Literally had him on one leg and couldn't finish him. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with Jackson there. Um, Lauren Muller, Mueller? I can't remember how she prefers that pronounced. We'll fight Poliana Botello. This was supposed to be Botello and Paige Van Zant. Uh, Van Zant apparently still dealing or rebroke her arm. Uh, so now Mueller steps in. I like Lauren Mueller here, actually. Botello is. I mean, she's 2-1 in the UFC, but her wins are over Pearl Gonzalez and Siri Kondo, and then she got choked out by Cynthia Calvillo. And Mueller's just kind of a kind of a tank. I might be wrong, but I'll go with Mueller. And then kicking everything off, Brandon Davis will fight Randy Costa. Uh, Costa is 4-0. and This is his UFC debut. I mean, I don't think Brandon Davis is a UFC-caliber fighter, so I'm going... I'm going with Costa. I mean, Davis has one win in the UFC. He's one and four. He's one and three in the promotion, and that win is over Steven Peterson, who is demonstrably not a UFC caliber fighter. So yeah, I'll go with Costa. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. All right, Jeff. Again, there's a couple of fights that might, yeah, you know, that might kind of stand out for you on the rest of that card. What are you looking forward to? Yeah, you pretty much covered it for me. I don't really have anything else creative to add. Okay. Uh, that again. That's UFC 236 next Saturday. I will have coverage of that in the right. 411 Mania. All right. On to the news. I want to let's just start with this because I don't think there's any really getting around it. Um, Conor McGregor and Khabib Nurmagomedov got into it on Twitter over the last week, and look. I'm a, I'm a free speech absolutist. I'll be absolutely clear on this. I don't think there's any reason the government should ever curtail speech. Uh, I think there's a couple of lines that have been drawn in contemporary American People's society. People's Twitter accounts have been deleted for less. Much less. Heck, Twitter accounts have been suspended or deleted for stating the biological reality of, male, of men and women being <laughs> different. I just want to make it clear Robert pointed that out, not me. Look. I'm not here. I am not at all here to say anything about any communities. I'm just stating a biological fact. Right. And women are different. This is, there are some men that are more feminine. There are some women that are more masculine. Don't get me wrong. Right. I'm not, I'm not bad mouthing anyone. I'm not expressing my dislike for anyone. There is a biological, there's a biological reality, especially okay. amongst mammals that you have male and female with, with uh, statistical, there are statistically, uh, a statistical minority, extreme minority of intersex people, but 99 point something percent of all humans are male or female. This is reality. Twitter accounts are suspended over this. Conor McGregor going on Twitter and saying to Khabib in reference to his to his wife. So Your if you wife up, is a towel, mate. 
So if you lift this up is the what first, he wrote. Is, yeah. surprise, under that towel is a goat. Uh, I think that tweet was deleted. Oh, he deleted it, but he absolutely sent it. Right. Uh, um, Khabib, in response to calling Connor a rapist, telling him that if you you know if you go you insult an entire religious community, do you really think you're safe in the world? Well, here's what he wrote: "Rapist, you are a rape. You are rapist. You are a hypocrite who is not responsible for your actions. Justice will find you. We will see." So. Yeah. These a veil, two, kind of a veiled threat, you know? No, no. These two in this exchange, yeah, there were some very, in some respects, clear threats that they threw at each other. In this, a way, of all people, told Yahoo Sports, I'm aware of the recent social media exchange between Habib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor. The ongoing situation has escalated to a level that is unacceptable. As such, we are taking the necessary steps to reach out to both athlete camps, and, it, and this situation is being addressed by all parties internally. Where the heck was this several months ago? When they were having their fighter press conference, Dave, Dana White was laughing it up and smiling like, look at all this money I'm going to make. Then, you know, um, Connor pushing a, a, you know, a glass of whiskey at Khabib, who's a devout Muslim and consequently does not drink alcohol. And then, you know, and saying things about yeah, look, uh, you know, the Chechens, the relationship between the Chechens and parts of the Russian and yeah, the look, horrible I things know, that have taken place in that part of the world. But not only that, he called uh, uh, Khabib's manager, Ali Abdelaziz, who represents quite a few UFC fighters. A lot. And used to and used to work for, um, what was it? The, the what was... Um, World Series of Fighting, World I believe. Series he had, of a, fighting, he had some kind of he had some kind of office job. The defunct, yeah, he was like the matchmaker. Um, Something. Like I'm that. not saying I'm not saying Abdel, uh, Ali Abdelaziz is like this pillar of virtue who's deserving of respect. He's done a lot of messed up stuff that I think are very. Oh, oh, he's done a lot of shady like, stuff. Like that Colby Covington thing. Like his involvement of that was just like you're. Look, you're a manager, dude. Don't do stupid nonsense like that. But but that aside, he called that man a terrorist rat, you know? Now, look, yeah. if, if, if I was to go around doing that on Twitter, I would be banned from Twitter, Facebook, and I would probably get in big trouble, okay? And, and he was saying that, and, and Connor was saying very racially charged remarks publicly at press conferences. And... Up to this point, there's been no culpability, Robert. None. Not, none, that um, we're, none that we're aware of. So I, Dana White should have stepped in. That I feel like that's, that time has long passed. For him he, he, is looking at the, he is looking at the train as it is you know, a quarter mile down the tracks going, boy, I should get on that. Pretty much. Um, and look, um, let me be clear. It's because I said I'm a bit of a free speech absolutist. Right. That's from a governmental standpoint. I don't think the government has any should have any say in what people say. A, any private enterprise, however, is a different matter. But any it's, it's business. Just, all right, calling a guy's wife a, like saying that about the man's wife. It, come on. He called his father That's a man. A, he called his father a, a moral coward. A uh, in one of their press well, conferences. Well, well, look. Well, look. I don't. I mean. The point. Does the it make point me a being, horrible person that I don't have a problem with that because it makes you a chauvinist. And how dare you? Men and women are clearly the no, same. No, so no, I can't no, even, no, no, no. I mean, his father. The remark. The remark about his father is what I didn't have a problem with. 
Okay. I mean, that look, what, the Wi-Fi. Look, if you what, what do you have a problem with is what you have a problem with. If if that's what where he, you stand, that's fine. No, I do not like what he said about his wife. He shouldn't have brought yeah. that in okay. at all. Not at all. I, and, again, like, and, and we're either selling a fight. They're selling a fight in just saying stupid stuff. You know. Um. But whatever. Yeah, I again. If the UFC wants to actually put some kind of policy in place about this, it'll be hilarious because they'll ignore it until they don't until they don't feel necessary until they don't want to. I mean, in theory, this they already did have, they did they did they did say they have a code of conduct policy some years back. Yeah. After the Nate Diaz thing, I don't. Sure, I don't they know. They said that they also apparently they had one that they revised that they did because they talked about revising it and having right. a new one that like they will not. And they put out a statement about it, and it clearly means nothing in the face of them. Like, it means nothing until the UFC wants it to mean something. Well, it's case-by-case basis, I guess. And look, on the one hand, I appreciate that they can have that kind of discretion. I do. But, I but at the same time, that type of discretion being a good thing is only true if it's is only... I think it's only a provable good if there's enough evidence to prove that you can use it as a good. Whereas in the case of the UFC, I think the evidence runs. I'm fine. Personally with Connor right now, I'm fine. If we never see him fight again, I mean, look, he's going to show up at WrestleMania to help Becky Lynch win (laughs) after Brock Lesnar gets destroyed by Daniel Cormier. He's a superstar and good for him. He, you know, he took the reins of his career. He did the fight with Mayweather. But none of that excuses to me the abhorrent behavior, Robert. Oh, it doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. You know, but people do. And his his staunchest fans do. Uh, look, Ariel, Ariel Hawani will not even make a peep about. And look, I'm not saying he's guilty, but he is current. Conor McGregor is under investigation for sexual assault, which he was arrested. He was arrested for this in January in Ireland. Now, no charges have been filed. It's still under, the investigation is still ongoing, but that di- it did happen. It is factual to say he is, under, he is under investigation for sexual assault, and he was arrested for an alleged crime that took place apparently last December, and he was arrested in January. That did happen. It was reported as, by the New York Times. As reported by the New York Times, which is in and of itself a former newspaper. A for, right. Now, look. I'm not going to defend. I'm not going to just defend the sanctity of the New York Times because you can't. Well, you can't. You can't. <laughs> right. You can't at this point because of their history. But that was reported it, by the, that was reported by the New York Times, and I think it is factual to say at this point. Correct. It is factual to say they reported it, and if they felt confident reporting it, then it's go, Then other people citing them, it's going to be on the New York Times and their reporting. Okay. In this instance. So people have had their careers and livelihood destroyed over less. Significantly and less in some respects. Connor does not under Connor does not understand how lucky he has it, quite frankly. I think he does. I think that's yeah, why he does I think that's why he does what he does is because he knows he can get I away mean, with even it. even that whole phone thing, that whole phone incident to me, I can't even really fault him for that. Cause I wasn't there. That the fan who was trying to take pictures of him might have been a jerk. I have no idea. 
but it's all the other junk that upsets me. And uh, in that same in that same vein, actually, Connor, uh, the Miami, I believe he was, I believe this was the Miami Dade County where right. he was arrested. They did uh, lessen the charges, I believe. Okay. They they like there's been some official movement on his legal uh, in his legal case in that respect. Well, Juicy Smollett's record, his case was dropped and his record was expunged. So I mean, it was such crap. I mean, so I mean, look, such. the justice system. Let's just be honest. The justice system doesn't always get it right. Okay. No, I, I mean, I I like I think Winston Churchill's but, quote about this as far right. as the American justice system. It's terrible. It's full of faults. It's full of holes, and it. And part of the time it doesn't work, but it's the best we have in the world, so. Uh, fair enough. So, I just can't, I can't condone McGregor as an institution anymore. <laughs> am I being unreasonable? But am I being oh, unreasonable? No, that's just such a funny way to phrase that. Because <laughs> well, he is an institution at this point, right? Basically. Am, okay, let me just. Isn't that I'm, accurate to say? As a brand, sure. Yeah. Like, it, it just called to my mind immediately this very famous uh, kind of quote from yeah. uh, Tommy Lee Jones that he said to Jim Carrey while they were on the set of Batman Forever. Which was what? I cannot condone your buffoonery. That's pretty good, actually. It is. It's a really good line. I've stolen I don't even on think I, I don't even think I uncon- – like I knew about the story, the stories. I don't think I ever heard that line before. So – it is. It's a good line. It's. But am I so being unreasonable? So the point just being, I, you're saying I can't approve of Connor as an institution at this point. Just, all right, but if I, I like the line. All right, am I being unreasonable here? No, I don't think so. I mean, again, who you choose to support and the degrees to which you support or oppose and someone. Even, and, and and you know what? I don't even think he should be banned from Twitter or whatever. But. No, I I agree. I I mean, look, my stance is always. My stance on Twitter has been... He's a guy with too much money, too much time on his hands, and he doesn't know what to do with himself. And bad, th- and bad wants- things happen as a result. I can't... And you know what? If I was in his position, I can't say for a fact I wouldn't get into trouble at all. I no, thought- I mean, the, the, look, the number of people who, if they come into that much money in their 20s, will do stupid things is about 100%. Look, yeah. I mean, I'm look at, start- I mean, look at, and by, as another example, look at John, John Jones well, made less money than Connor about the same age, give or take. Look how much stupid stuff he did. Look, I can't say with certainty though, I would not go with a bunch of hoodlums to New York, sneak into a UFC venue and attack a bus with a dolly cart. I would absolutely never do that as well. Um, uh, Connor, I mean, Connor did, I believe, just launch his uh, line of his new alcoholic line. Uh, he has what he the champ? No, no, he launched Proper Twelve a while ago. He has like the Champ Champ Rosé now oh. or something similar. I mean, Which, look, he's probably look, man. If you can make money in the alcohol business, Godspeed and party on. I will never. That, like, I, you I don't know what? Drink. I have no pro. I really hope Connor, like Mike Kiesa, makes like out like a bandit against him. That lawsuit. So anyway, those yeah, those two made headlines with uh, all of their the things they said to each Where, other. I mean, we have. We, I mean, the outrage. Like, why is the outrage crowd not going after McGregor? Like, because seriously. McGregor, okay, there's. I think there's two reasons. 
One Connor's like like to me because what he has done is far more deserving of outrage than some of the, than some of the things I see the outrage crowd getting sensed over. Which and 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 that's what makes me angry. Like if you're gonna get outrage, outrage get outraged over something that deserves it. You know. I think the main thing that works in Connor's favor is that while he is a celebrity, huh? he is not. There's a level of celebrity that he has not yet attained. And that helps. And the other thing is that he comes from. His, his, I mean, look, his, a humble background, I guess. Yeah. It's more his sporting background because I mean, uh, there's a lot of. Here, I, I guess, are you trying to say that people are conditioned to thinking combat sports athletes just say crazy stuff a well, lot? I mean, historically speaking, combat sports athletes say a lot of crazy stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, there was that guy who fought uh, De La Hoya, whose line to De La Hoya was, "I'm going to drink your wife's Kevin breast milk." And I'm not, and I'm like, not like this huge Kevin Hart supporter, but he, like, like he was attacked. He was undeservedly attacked and in, in forced out of the Academy Awards. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, I thought it was stupid. I don't even like Kevin Hart as a comedian, but I thought it was stupid. Same, same here. Now, how is what Kevin Hart did? Worse than what James Gunn did when everyone was tripping over, the, over themselves to say James Gunn wrote those tweets 10 years ago, blah, blah, blah. He was he was just saying provoc They were just jokes, blah, blah, blah. And now you're attacking Kevin Hart over like tweets that he made years ago. That, it like, wasn't even tweets. It was it was his comedy. It was genuinely his comedy, his comedy routine. His comedy routine. When comedy is pretty much built on politically incorrect jokes, and I now I don't know if he did apologize for the, that routine in the past or not, but I mean he doesn't do it anymore for whatever. The, and I right. I do stopped, I think he te he, he did technically it. apologize. He stopped doing it, but you're going to defend James Gunn's who did make racist tweets and did make very like. How, how like how is this how is it different? I'm sorry, I don't see a difference. And McGregor is he is lucky he is so insulated right now because he did, the court of public opinion has not turned on him yet, and he's very lucky. He is very lucky. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think you uh, part of it is just the fact that he comes from combat sports, and combat sports has a long history of fighters saying the dumbest and the most reprehensible things you can possibly imagine to each other. I mean, if you want to see uh, Adrian Broner and Pauli Malignaggi, when they had their setup and their fight, they said and did terrible things. Uh, Mayorga. Mayweather Mayorga and De La Hoya. Mayweather, uh, Mayweather did it too. He, Mayweather's he, done it. Broner did it to, he said terrible things about like the entire Filipino culture and the buildup to the Pacquiao fight. Right. Do we really need to go over the litany of things Mike Tyson has said when he had said when he was fighting? Because that list is long and it is profane. Fighters I mean, do this, and there is a degree of just kind of least, being inured to if it. If he was sincere in that last tweet, he could have at least apologized. But whatever, it's, it's Twitter. Like whatever, the notion, of, the notion of sincerity on Twitter in and of whatever. itself is a Twitter, Twitter, position. Twitter is garbage. Any Twitter and social media in general are garbage. I'm sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Twitter. But I'm not sorry. Um, All right. Moving on to fight announcements, because we had some that. Right. Well, uh, here's got... a big, I think this is a big one. 
Okay. So Ariel Hawani is reporting that it looks like Brock Lesnar, Daniel Cormier might happen. It's not confirmed. Could happen in August. And that I think uh, would, it be a bit, would be around UFC 241. So if that fight happens, it might happen around that time. And we can say now Lesnar just lost the Universal title, so he's no longer WWE Universal Champion. Not saying he's leaving WWE, but he might have a bit more of, like, uh, he won't have any obligations to defend the title for a little bit. So we'll see. Yeah, he, he does he, come out to defend the title now and again. Sorry. In theory. Um, now, look, I maintain that one year, for, like, the Raw after M- next Mania, you're going to have... The forming of the MMA super fans when Conor McGregor, Brock Lesnar, and Travis Brown all form an alliance. <laughs> you think I'm joking? I'm not. Well, look, look, look Brock's going to lose. Travis Brown's getting all he's getting all this attention because he uh, he got in there against Bret Hart's attacker last night, and I guess good and on. And he for that. still like couldn't actually land half of what he was throwing. It was hilarious. I think, I think I think the only guy who landed a solid shot in that whole fracas was. Uh, was uh, Dash Wilder. And Wilder threw a really nice short right hook, so credit to him. Uh, anyway, yeah, Brock and... That was a good shot. It was. Brock and DC being And targeted. you know what? Does it make me a horrible person for being proud of Dash Wilder for doing that? No, not really. I think I think that guy, Zach Madsen, the ele- all right, the alleged suspect, who's an amateur MMA fighter, by the way, Robert, named Zach Madsen, um, he got... if. He got less than what he deserved. He got way less. Look, man, he should. I think he should have got the crap kicked out of him just for wearing that reggae hat. Um, and the not just a reggae hat, the fake dreads. I don't like care about the. Dreads. I mean, I think the best take on this was like, because there's that famous Simpsons clip when Homer puts on a reggae hat and kind of dances around some. So you're saying we can blame the Simpsons for this? I'm just saying Homer Simpson. <laughs> Homer Simpson and Bret Hart have both appeared on The Simpsons. <laughs> um, there's so uh, the other one that kind of came out over the last week, UFC on ESPN three was originally supposed to be headlined by a rematch between Yoel Romero and Jacare Souza. Right, I think Romero's out of the fight now, right? Romero had to pull out of the fight with uh, some combination of illness, minor injury, something Romero's out. Sucks. I was looking forward to the fight. I liked their first one, all things considered. Uh, and now, uh, you know, there was the, there were things to settle there because of how the first fight, because because it was a controversial decision. Let's be honest. Well, oh no, I'm sorry. This was supposed originally. This was Romero and Costa. Costa <laughs> fell out. Jacare steps in. Now Romero falls out. Wow. Um. There was some talk about Paulo Costa stepping back in, uh, which would have been weird. <laughs> because after he already was and made musical chairs, basically. Uh, at the moment, I believe it's been reported that the front runner to step in to face Jacare is Jack Hermanson. And <laughs> I, mean, I mean, given that Hermanson yeah. just, given what he just did, that to makes David no Branch, sense. I'm sorry. I'm okay with it. I'm not okay with it. I mean, who would you, what would you do? I would, uh, to me, Jacare should be fighting for the title. 
Sure, but he's in the main event of this card, so you need to come up with the other half of that equation. Do I really? That would be that is the premise under which we're operating. Let's see here. Because if that's not your next I think the next card the next fight down on the card. What is what is up with Weidman these days? Uh who knows? Is he healthy? Can he fight? I think he was talking about trying his hand at 205, maybe. Uh, he might be mm. dealing with another hand injury. I, he's, I don't know. He's. When does he not have a hand injury? I mean, he came out of the womb with a mangled wrist. Eye. <laughs> That's good. Because, um, hmm. I mean, your next fight down, officially at the moment, is Glover Teixeira and Iwan Kutilaba. And you're not headlining ESPN with that. Yeah, you can. They're not going to. Like, that <laughs> that is just that's a an, that's an irrelevant fight, and it's a bad fight. If you're going to be on ESPN again, not ESPN Plus. This is Big Daddy ESPN. To me, it's just unfair to Dockeray, though. I mean, yeah, it sucks. I don't disagree with that. Dockeray has been jacked around way too much in his UFC career. The, no, I, I, I completely agree. The fact that he has not yet fought, not yet fought for the title at all is a travesty. He should have. I completely agree. Let's just cancel the fight card. <laughs> I mean, look, no one wants to be in Florida. This is set for Sunrise, Florida. So <laughs> I'm just making, I, I'm ruining Mark Radlich's act. Let's just actually postpone the card. <laughs> I mean, look, it's unfortunate I mean, given the timing and circumstances, but I'm okay with Jack Hermanson and Jacare as your main event, especially since uh, I'm I think, not okay. I'm not okay with. Hold that on, I think I believe part of the condition, and this was bandied. I think Ariel Helwani reported this that. Jacare was going to be guaranteed in writing a title shot that, if he wins this okay, fight. Okay, which is worth about as no, much. No, no, no. As- if he if he's if he gets it contractually in writing, that's when it will matter. If all he gets is a handshake, it means nothing. If he's able to he get it in to writing, have it in writing to, to even have it in writing, you want to know you want to know what that's worth, Robert? It's worth less than a bison dollar from the Street Fighter movie. Oh, uh, we're all Julia. Okay. You. Okay. Yeah, me so do I. Now I get your reference. That movie's your... a good that movie's a good guilty pleasure of mine. So I agree. If, it, it, if you're in the mood for it. Win, he still has to win against Jack Hermanson. Yep. And Hermanson maybe that's a tough fight. <laughs> it is. So that he still and Let's say he wins and he's guaranteed a title fight. You know, uh, twenty things could happen to dere- to derail that fight, and you know it. Oh yes, they could. I am absolutely so, aware of it. So that is why it's absolutely meaningless to me. So to even because UFC tears up contracts all the time, literally all the time. Yeah, they they write in provisions that allow them to do so. F- fair enough. I'm just. To me, I feel like we're on the same wavelength about Jacare, and that, and and even if I'm being irrational, that's just how I feel about the matter at the moment. 
That's fair. I, uh, I don't feel I don't feel Jock Ray has gotten the respect he deserves in the UFC when he's continually performed at a very high level, despite having a couple tough losses. I, I mean, he had a couple of tough losses, which are unfortunate, but also happen. Again, I think Michael Bisbing going on his "Please Let Me Fight Dan Henderson" tour instead of—I mean, deliberately instead and of Jockeray and GSP and, and the G- well, Jockeray had lost by the time that fight rolled around. He was out of the contendership queue. Well, not out of the queue. Still he was deser- not at the top. He still deserved it more than. No, at the time, Whitaker deserved it more than Jockeray or GSP. Sure. Pretty clearly. Well. But no, there have been a couple of times in Jacare's UFC run that I've looked that I've thought he should be fighting for the belt, and then they go a different direction because reasons. It still makes me angry. I, I agree. Again, I it sucks for Jacare, but if that's the I mean, just purely as a fight fan, if they put together Jack the Joker and the Alligator, I'm I mean, I like I'm okay with the fight. I, I think it sucks for Jacare's career trajectory because he's constantly hitting these random hiccups. But do you think do you think Jacare wins that fight? Yes. Okay. I I would favor Jacare. I mean, I favor Jacare over the not all the middleweight division, but a lot of it. Even, even like how is he's got to be close to forty now, though, right? Probably. How old? Is that? Like, let's see. He's thirty nine, so he's of, he's getting officially there. he's thirty nine, but. He also comes from a part of Brazil that. I mean, I don't know. He could be. You know, might there might be some. uh, That might be an approximate. That might might be an approximate approximate age. You know, that might be more approximate than specific. All things considered. Uh, Okay, fair. And again, there are places in the world that just kind of have that at times. I mean, the United States did for port for parts of the world for. I mean, up until uh, I mean, like uh, the guy. Crap, I can't remember the fighter's name. He's going to annoy me until I remember it. But the guy, Sonny Liston, the guy Ali beat to be, to win his first title, did not know when he was born and did not know the date of his birth. And that's that's within living memory. So this is not, I'm not saying Brazil's a crappy third world country by any stretch of the imagination. There's a, there's a constant kind of question about whether or not UL Romero is actually as old as... Uh, his entry seems to be because, you know, Cuba rec- Cuban record keeping at the time. Hmm. So you're saying Romero could be younger. Uh, I would actually think a little bit older. Oh, I don't know. Again, I, I really don't know. You must he, go to an anti-aging clinic. Uh, yuck. Look, uh, again, I'm I'm just saying so anti-aging and anti-aging clinics are a thing, you know, I am aware that they exist. They're big proponents of red light therapy. And and TRT. Um, okay, UFC 238. Uh, I believe they made official Henry Cejudo versus Marlon Moraes as your main event for that, for the vacant bantamweight title. Thank you. Thank you. For the real title. The real title. Yes. That's what it's... I mean, it is for the vacant title. That's so, so in other words, fact. Marlon Moraes is our new champion. Marlon Moraes is fighting for the championship, yes. Basically, basically, in, in all but the word, making him the next champion. I mean, he's got to beat Henry Cejudo. In other words, he is the future. So he's, you're saying he's the future Bantamweight champion. I don't know. I, I favor yes, him. 
I favor him over Cejudo, but Henry Cejudo is... I don't is... like how this went down. I don't like how all this went down, but this is basically what I sort of wanted. So I guess good. I feel like you know I've, I've felt very strongly about this, correct? Yeah, Marlon Moraes should have fought for the title before this point in time. Right. I mean, he should have he should have fought for the belt um, instead of fighting Austin Sal, but TJ Dillashaw, Dillashaw screwed around at flyweight. Dillashaw screwed himself in this situation, and I can't I can't defend him anymore. I think he has no one to blame but himself. The snake eats its own tail, right? Sorry, bad. I'm joke. not gonna uh, uh, bad joke. Just I'm a bad joke. Call, I never I, I, never, I never bought into the he's a snake mentality. Uh, I, it's just a bad joke. I mean, I'm sure I, I'm sure that didn't help him at all because now, now, now he's basically forever branded as a snake, and he and he'll never be able to he'll never be able to overcome that. Um, but he he brought I feel like he brought a lot of this on himself, and I think you can't deny that either. No, I don't. Um, again, I I'm not the biggest fan of this fight, but. I mean, just because I'm... Marlon Moraes should be in a UFC title fight, and as long okay, as that okay, happens... Okay, let me... I'm not look, the biggest fan of... As long as that happens, and it's, not, and it's not a garbage interim title, I think that's the important thing. So yeah. that's... To me, that's the silver lining in all of this, and I can't complain too hard about it, because this is ultimately what I thought should have happened, even though... Half of I, the equation is different. Eh, arguably, Cejudo... Arguably, Cejudo has earned this shot. Arguably. You can make the argument. Yeah, I'm not saying he should, but you can make an argument. Frankly, I think he had a better argument about fighting TJ than fighting for the vacant belt, but that's just me. I mean... Because, again, if it's look, TJ, if, if TJ look, look, is the look, champion... Look, they're giving Holloway TJ. a title shot, and Holloway hasn't fought it lightweight in six years, you know? Or ever in the UFC, yeah. I mean, well, it's... Exactly. So, I mean... But... But... They're giving him the title shot because he was this. Which I also, which I also seem to recall. I did say I wasn't necessarily in love. All right, but but look, Ferguson. Ferguson is out. Ferguson's out of the equation. He's out of the equation. Connor and Khabib are out of the equation because they're idiots. Yes. This is what we have. I and I can understand that. This is. Look, if we're getting rid of, we're getting rid of, if we are getting rid of flyweight, I guess this is the best way to do it, you know? Yeah, I mean, if Cejudo wins, then they're just going to fold flyweight and he becomes the best. Cejudo, Cejudo is a great ambassador for this sport. He's a, oh, he's a great fighter, just generally. He's a, he's a look, tremendous look, fighter. Look, he's the first Olympic gold medalist to win a UFC title. Yep. And that's pretty momentous. So... We've seen the UFC do worse than this here, so I can't. Fair enough. I I can ju- I can see the justification for this fight, even though I think there are probably more deserving contenders at bantamweight. But there's one in particular. Most of, but the most deserving contender, the most conser- deserving contender, is getting his title shot, and that's what is important. Who is more deserving right now? Oh, than Marlon? No one. No one is more deserving than Marlon Moraes. Now, who else? Maybe Pedro Munoz. Who? Who, who else would you ideally want to see get the title fight? <sighs> Probably Pedro Munoz, I guess. Right. You could argue Munoz. I mean, much or as Ster- I or Sterling. 
it, I think Sterling's probably the more deserving contender, all things considered. Unfortunately for Sterling's case, he did get waxed with right. one in one round by Marlon Moraes. Right. So that the rematch is a tougher sell. But I think, I mean, so Sterling I rebounded think, from that. that and I think Sterling I would have, is, in that case, I would have Sterling versus Munoz. It makes it makes a lot of sense. So I'm kind of fine with it here. Cody Garbrandt does not deserve a title fight. He, nope. ju- he, he just, just got, got whacked, too. Yeah. No, no, no. No, Cody's not in the discussion. And Austin, Sal, and Austin Sal always, always chokes in the big fights. Always. Well, Austin Sal also literally just lost to Marlon Marais. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, when has Austin Sal not choked in one of the biggest fights of his career? Name me one time. I mean, he's not, he's not been put in too many big fights. Is part Everyone of the one he's been put in, he's lost. Everyone, yeah, that's no, that's probably true. The, uh, the rematch with Dillashaw, uh, the rematch with Marais, which was the main event, correct? Yeah, um, and the and the fight with Faber, which was basically a title eliminator back uh, way back, day. way back in the day, yeah, yeah. He was very, he was in, he had a good first run against Faber. I just think Austin. I think Austin Sal is a good fighter, Robert. I just don't think he's. I don't think he can go that extra level. I think. Yeah. I think. I, I, Smith, I don't think he'll ever be champion. I really don't. I think don't. Anthony Smith and Gustafsson are the same way. Quite frankly. No, so Kenny, yeah, I get... Kenny Florian was the same. I don't know. I'm torn on Florian because he also ran up against some super some incredibly talented opposition. I mean, so, so is Austin South. You're going to Dillashaw and Morris. I mean, come on. No, no, I'm thinking more in relationship to like Gustafson and Smith, but yeah, fair enough. All right. But, so that's your main event. That is? same, hang on, that same card yeah. also has another bantamweight bout that they've announced. Uh, I'm not sure how official, I believe it's official. Uh, Jimmy Rivera, coming off of that loss to Aljamain Sterling, we'll fight the Siberian gangster Peter Yan and oh, That's all of my, fight. all of my yes. Yan's an up, up and comer. Apparently that, uh, that card is going to be a lot bantamweight heavy. They also, they've That's announced a dangerous fight. That's a dangerous fight for Rivera. Don't you think? Very. Yan's a dangerous fight for anyone in that division. That's the kind of fighter he is. Uh, oh, ESPN confirmed Woodley versus Lawler. will headline yep. ESPN. Uh, four in June, June twenty-eight. I like the fight. It's it came a little. It, it came a little bit out of left field for me when it was announced, but uh, I can live with it. I think it. I honestly, I would prefer that over a rematch between Lawler and Askren. Quite frankly, that's fair. Um, oh, UFC two thirty-eight also has another bantamweight bout. Uh, you mentioned it. Munoz and Sterling is apparently targeted for that event. Oh, that's that's sound mat. I think that one is sound matchmaking. Quite frankly, uh, 238's got the makings of a really interesting night for the bantamweights, all things considered, because uh, they're so, they're showcasing some pretty significant talent R- between Rivera, Jan, Munoz, Sterling, and Morais. That's amongst the very best that division can bring to the fore. Okay, and the other, I think the other visit, uh, Aldo has a knee infection that might keep him out of UFC 237. Yeah, we're not sure on that one. Um, apparently, Hanato Moicano is offered to step in if Aldo falls out. And God bless him. 
Good on him if he does that. Uh, I, yeah, I, I absolutely mean that. If you're going to step in on short notice coming off of... It's not the worst... It's not worst case scenario, though, because it's May... The event's May 11th, so... Yeah, there's time. So, yeah, but again, just... I mean, even then, it is short-ish notice to fight Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, you know what? Again, like, uh, seriously, that division is nuts. There's a lot of talent at featherweight. Honestly, though, I was not keen on an on an Aldo Volkanovsky fight yet. It, it wasn't my. It was. It wouldn't have been my first choice either. Honestly, I if the fight falls off, I would not get upset just because I uh, might be. In some respects, I might be more excited for a Moicano and Volkanovsky. All things considered, I can't. Eh. I kind of. I, mean, I mean, again, I like Aldo. He's one of my favorites to watch yeah. in the cage, but I, I think he doesn't that, have many fights left. He doesn't, and I think if Volkanovski beats Moicano, I mean, if he beats Aldo, he's clearly the next in line for the next title shot. If he, and I think the case can still be made if he, if he beats Moicano. Excuse me. I mean, but the other issue is we don't know what's going to be happening with Holloway in the coming yeah. months either. So that there's also a question mark there. Um, I think I think that's all the major news and fight matchups. Yeah. Uh, let me. I think we can wrap this up probably. Check one more. Oh, time. Uh, here's here's a thing. UFC owners expected to take company public this year. Yeah, Endeavor, the uh, which is the, the WME WME IMG William, Moore, William Morris Endeavor, technically. Yeah, they're looking to take their company public later this year, so we might finally have actual numbers about how the UFC does that are released publicly because of. Well, I mean, somebody brought, uh, uh, Andrew Graham actually mentioned this to me now that the UFC is. But I mean, only... I have a question for you. Sure. Netflix is a publicly traded company, right? Yes. Do we have any actual numbers from Netflix? On their we have, we no. have the financial numbers in the sense that how many like how many subscribers they have is public record. Right, but we don't know how many people are actually watching their shows. No, they, no, all that is internal. Um, is that legal? Uh, I don't know why it wouldn't be. All right. Again, Netflix I'm, just is public- wondering, I'm just wondering why it's 2019 and we still only have these, like, the only people that report on Netflix numbers are these data analytics firms. And from what I understand, from what I've read, it's based on, like, like social media traffic, basically. I mean, Netflix, because the, I, if I had to guess, the terms of Netflix being a, a publicly traded company just mean that they have to uh, keep a keep their shareholders and the public apprised of their general financial situation, meaning how much they're spending, how much they're bringing in, et cetera. They're not, I don't necessarily think they're obliged to reveal. The thing is when Netflix numbers get reported, Netflix is usually quick to say these aren't accurate. These aren't real. So we never know what the numbers really are. No. And I, again, I think the primary difference here is that you're not you're going talking to... about finances, not necessarily analytics. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. And, well, I mean, it might be interesting just because just with ESPN Plus only being the U.S. carrier for pay-per-views now for the UFC, mm-hmm. because ESPN is owned by Disney, which is also a publicly traded company. Right. The the actual number of how many people buy each event through ESPN Plus is probably going to wind up in the public domain. 
That's not a bad thing, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what uh, comes of that. I'll be curious. Yeah, again, I'm not sure how that. I'm not sure on the specifics because the, again, we're talking about ESPN UFC on a platform owned by that is owned by ESPN that is in turn owned by another company. Which Disney is, is Disney is Disney is also publicly traded though. So yeah. So again, like it might be that every quarter when they release their financial reports to you know the public that the number of pay-per-views purchased through ESPN plus is simply part of that release going forward. Um, let's see. Dana White is saying Colby Covington, Kamaru Usman for the title is going to happen. We don't yeah. know. I, I know they were talking about that. Uh, you know, again, again, I'm eh. okay with that fight. Like it, look, I'm on not paper, okay on paper does it. it. I mean, it doesn't set me on I fire. Guess as a fan, well, I guess you might as well. I guess if you're going to do it, now's the time to do it. Yeah, I mean, you have the champion, you have the number one contender, you let them fight. And again, am I over the moon about the fight on paper? How I think it'll play out? Not especially, but that happens. Plenty of fights that, plenty of title fights get made that are like that. Some of them overperform. I mean, some of them underperform. I mean, look, I don't think we were expecting a great fight with Usman Woodley. It wasn't a great. It was a good performance by Woodley, though. I think you would agree. Usman, but yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean. I do. I'm sorry. No, no. I, I know My what thoughts you... are a little jumbled today. I would agree. It was a really outstanding performance from Usman. Not the most engaging fight in the world, all things considered. I don't think Covington and Usman will be in but a I terribly engaging fight better, either. But... I think it turned out better than I expected, at least. That's fair. So... Um, oh. The UFC's next Russia card had a change in the main event. That was the okay. other one. For April 20th, uh, their St. Petersburg debut was supposed to be Alistair Overeem and Alexander Volkov. Not a bad fight. Uh, Volkov had some kind of health issues. He had to pull out. So stepping in, someone who was already on the same card, uh, Alexei Olyanek will now face Alistair Overeem well, in the main event. Olenek has won his last two fights. Again, this is uh, this is another thing that, you know, it's is it like the fight I would make? No, but I can live with it. I mean, again, you have Overeem, you have Olenek, you have two two uh, seasoned veterans. These guys both have long histories in combat sports. And Overeem is beatable. Overeem's beatable. Olenek's beatable. It's not uh, a good card, though. It's a card that I think... How do I phrase this? It'll, I guess it'll do well for Russia, but it's not... It's a card that is positioned to overperform to expectations. I guess. Fair enough. And Islam, I Islam Makachev is a good fighter. Yeah, Makachev is a good fight. Um, there was another... There he's, another fighting, he's fighting a cab driver, though. Yes. Um, like, I, I like Makachev, but he's not fighting anyone of no. There's a there's a couple of signees that are ma- like making their debut on this card that I was looking forward to, and Sergei I can't. Sergey Pavlovich. Marcel... No, no, he's not... Pavlovich and Golem is gonna suck. Ivan. Those, those two suck. Uh, how how do I say this? Oh, Shaykher Shirkov. Ivan Shirkov. Okay, there you go. I can't believe I know how to pronounce. I that's know very good. That's very that good. Actually, name. but yeah, it's MMA, man. I I watch so much. And I don't, and I bear in mind, there's plenty of the more than very me. well, very well. 
I mean, I I imagine I've just seen enough and I've heard them pronounced enough that if I know what country a guy I, or a girl is from and I see how their name is spelled, I can come up with a rough well, approximation. I still can't do Jan, Jan, Jandrejcik. Or you want a Jandrejcik? I I still feel like I'm doing it wrong. Like I try to I try to avoid. Oh, saying, I, I'm I'm ninety percent sure I'm butchering it too. But I I feel I try to avoid saying her last name because I I don't want to just sound like an idiot trying to pronounce her name. Oh, uh, I'm sliding on that card. There you go. Um, Antigula Vanolixajic might actually be pretty decent. Okay. Um, Alia Nakamura is a pretty decent fight. Again, there's a few fights on there that, again, they're not going to jump out and grab you, but they are. there's some potential there for it to perform well in uh, terms of its real action. Any other, any other fights we should go over before we call uh, it? Let's see. Iaquinta and Cowboy we already talked about... Um, yeah. Fight, Night, Fight Night 153 doesn't have doesn't have a lot of stuff announced. That's their debut in South Carolina. I mean, depending on how things go, Iaquinta versus Cowboy could be a title eliminator. It if you think could about it. very well. I mean, look, my I my thing about this is I just I, I think the winner fights Gagey is probably yeah. the most likely scenario. I wouldn't be opposed to that. I mean, look, Cowboy... Uh, to me, I both mean, those guys... To me, uh, the winner of that fight would be above Gagey, honestly. Yeah, it depends. I mean, Cerrone came back and won one fight at lightweight. Yeah, but... Uh, Iaquinta, look at Iaquinta. Who's on a one-fight winning streak. Right, but his his one loss was a last-minute replace... His last loss was basically a wash. It was to, it was to Khabib, yeah. No, I mean, I, I that's basically a wash, though, because he I took that fight on like less than a day's notice. I only say that because you're gonna have to deal with the winner of 236 for fighting for the title next. Yeah. Assuming no other shenanigans, we're gonna get. For what? Assuming Holloway wins. Habib's gonna, a nutcase. Habib's a nutcase, though. Come on. Yes. Look, combat sports is full of nutcases. Habib's not. He is nuttier than most, and he is not. He's he's been poorly influenced, I think, by uh, Ali Abdelaziz, now, I, who I, is like a. I mean, some of his behavior lately has just has been abhorrent. Look, I'm just of the opinion that say again, say Holloway wins, you're going to get Holloway and Khabib, and in the interim, you're going to get the winner of. Iaquinta and Cowboy I mean, against Justin Gagey and the ideally, winner of that fight. it should be Tony Ferguson versus anyone for the UFC title, but Ferguson I has... Would, I would agree with that sentiment. Ferguson has, has some personal issues he's working on right now. So. I, I mean, look, I just want I just want that sweet, sweet Cowboy on Gagey violence, man. I just do. It would be... I would not be opposed... If that fight somehow came together, I would not be opposed to that. I would just hope neither guy kills himself, kills himself in the fight. Um, but, but yeah, so yeah, we have so there's again those. Uh, other Anthony than that, Pettis wants to fight Conor McGregor. Good for him. Everyone wants to fight Conor. He's a big payday. Yeah. Frankly, I don't. Frankly, Conor would. I think Conor would win that fight. <laughs> if those two squared up in the cage, I think Conor would beat Pettis. All right. So I think uh, we can we can end. This I do okay. believe. Well, let me hang on. Let me check Twitter one All more right, time. Kill him here. I have to check Twitter one more time every time before we close because news breaks on Twitter here. <laughs> no, nothing else new has come out. Uh, so let's move on to everyone's favorite segment, plugs. All right. 
So I have an exclusive interview. Uh, the audio is up on our uh, the four one one wrestling's uh, iTunes and YouTube and our uh, the four one one YouTube channel right now. The four one one Mania YouTube. Check out my exclusive interview with Eli Drake, uh, who just got just, fired. That's just from a Impact fact of life, wrestling. man. Now I don't think it was because of that interview he got fired, but people are saying that now, which is kind of fun. <laughs> I think they I mean, just. I think the news. I think it just broke around the time it got look, posted. I, think, I don't think they're related. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I mean, but uh, Eli Drake, thank you for the time you spent with us. Uh, I enjoyed talking to him. Also, the first one uh, of that series was with Vince Russo. So, uh, who also I got mean, fired, ironically, but not long after you well, posted it. Well, he then immediately rehired himself to wait. his private consulting gig. Wait, who fired Vin- Vince Russo? Got fired recently? Yeah, he fired himself. Oh, in a swerve. No. Uh, now <laughs> you're just be- okay. You were bad, being stuck. sorry, just, just bad jokes at the expense of Vince Russo. To- uh, totally went over my head. So check out that uh, my review of the number one movie Shazam. Um, I think it's getting a tad overhyped, but I thought it was generally good. Okay, there were some things I took issue with, but a very good performance by Zachary. Uh, uh, Levi, or is it Levy? I'd go with Levi, but that's Levi. just me. Zachary Levi was very good in the movie. I so generally entertaining, had a good time. It was. It's more like DC doing kind of like a Marvel Ant Man kind of film. Have you seen it yet, Robert? Not yet. I will be seeing it on Tuesday before right. I review it. Um, the next. A- hang on. And on a serious note about that movie. Yeah. Uh, you said Levi does a good job. Yeah, he does. It's harder I- to portray a kid as an adult than you might think it is. Uh, so if he, if he does pull that off credit well, to him. Well, here's my, my problem with the movie is I thought the younger Billy Batson was just a little too bland. Like to me, they didn't really gel very well between the performances. Like if you remember the, like they, the movie's clearly a superhero version of Tom Hanks's big, the 19, that 1980s movie, right? I've seen big. You in that movie, you buy that Tom Hanks is an older version of the the boy, correct? You, you believe like they're the same, they're one and the same, right? Yeah, largely. Okay, like I didn't get, I didn't quite get that in this movie. They didn't okay. quite. My main, my main criticism is they didn't quite pull that off. And Mark Strong is a tremendous actor, but I found his Doctor Savannah largely kind of what's the word eh, nondescript kind of just not terrible but ju- he was just kind of there as a bad guy to punch basically i think he could have used a bit more kind of flair and kind of n- maybe not flamboyancy but a bit more kind of comic book style to kind of li- he could have been livened up a bit more it's a bit okay. too um mm. A bit too, just a bit too straight line, line-ish for my taste. So that's my thoughts on that film. Check out my review of that. I will be doing an early exclusive review of Avengers Endgame. Um, so check- just, just tell me everybody dies and I'll be happy. <laughs> I think, I, I, I think we'll see. Uh, we'll see. So apparently it's going to be three hours though. So hey, hopefully go they- for it. So hopefully they end this MCU saga on a high note. So and um, uh, so 
yeah, so that's about the, that for my plugs. Thank you, Robert, and uh, looking forward to recapping 236. Yeah, as for myself, this coming Tuesday, Mark Radlich and I will be on Damn You Hollywood reviewing Shazam. Again, I haven't seen it yet, but I will. Uh, the week after that is Hellboy. The week after that, we'll be ret- we'll be reviewing Pet Cemetery, which I did see last night, and uh, I did not care for that all that much, actually. So you can tune in for those. Um, again, next Sunday we'll be back here. We'll re- uh, reviewing UFC 236 and previewing. Uh, yeah, we will be previewing Fight Night 149. Uh, this will be their the UFC in Russia. This is again the Overeemul unit car that we touched on earlier, so you can get a full preview of that. I don't even. It's not a good card on paper, guys. Again, it's positioned to overperform, but I can't sell you on that card. I just can't. We actually had a few of the fights I was looking forward to fall out. So, oh boy. But we'll be back for that next week. Um. I think the only other thing I wanted to touch on is the I've got an upcoming series, of, uh, a three-part series of podcasts counting down to Endgame, where I'll be tackling each phase of the MCU as an ind- uh, kind of as an independent thing. I just thought it would be fun to go back and rewatch those movies and talk about them from a purely narrative perspective. Now that we've arrived at where we have in uh, we, you know, with uh, with Endgame coming up around the corner, so be on the lookout for that if you're on over on the Radlich and Broadcasting Network. Please follow the 411 Mania podcast series. Again, we're on YouTube. We're on iTunes. So follow us there. Like, subscribe, give us a rating, leave a review if you're so inclined. And if you just want to tell me I suck, please don't bog down the YouTube comment section. I have a Twitter. Do it there. Uh, Until then, thank you very much, Jeff, for being here as always. Thank you, everyone, for listening, for, again, your support. Always, always appreciated. You can get this content in a lot of different places. We deeply appreciate that you choose us. So thank you again. Stay safe out there, and please continue to be well, be safe, and behave.